Welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. News, tools, and tips from marketing technology companies and the marketers using them. Here's Douglas Carr. Welcome, everybody, to another one of our expert series on the Marketing Tech Blog. This is Douglas Carr, and I have on the line today, I have Zane Raj. Welcome, Zane. I'm glad to be on, Doug. Uh, Zane has recently written, and it's on Amazon. You can find it, Marketing for Tomorrow not yesterday. Uh, and I, I love the basis around this topic and we're going to have a great conversation today. Um, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to be on. So Zane, I, I, I'll just, uh, you know, go right out of the gate um, on, on your website uh, for people who want to find it, zaneraj.com, Z-A-I-N-R-A-J.com. Uh, your book is described, uh, described as the essential marketing survival guide for the inside economy. And, uh, oh, and that's even trademarked. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there's two kind of pieces to that. And maybe we could just explain each one. You know, the first one is maybe talk a little bit about the insight economy and the opportunities there. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, the, the phrase insight economy came about uh, because as I looked at and as I've worked in the marketing environment for the past 30 years, you know, what I saw was, um, I got into this business at the time when the you know the big advertising, the big brand building, the traditional model of marketing was coming to an end, and it was being replaced by a whole new model that was built based on you know amount of data that you had available, how you could use the data to predict actions, and then how you could use technology as a way to you know uh, 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 fine tune as well as accelerate those actions. And you know what really happened to marketeers is we forgot that we were dealing with real human beings <laughs> and we got so caught up in the bits and the bytes of technology, right? And all the amount of data and big data became fashionable. And as I continued to solve problems for my clients and for different companies, it became a very interesting to me which said you know people get caught up on information people get caught up on data people get caught up on the cool new shiny object but what people forgot was at the end of the day we deal with real people and if you really want to make an impact in the world of business and in the world of marketing you got to find the thing that makes real people want to behave a certain way and believe a certain thing and to get to that you need to absolutely be very insightful and dig for insights and so as a way to kind of call out the distinction of the world that we need to be moving into the era we need to be moving into i decide to call the world that we're in the insight economy I love it. Uh, and I want to add there, you know, I, I love the fact that you you say marketing survival, uh, because that's really at the crossroads that we're at. And I, I feel like uh, and I'd love to get your perspective on this is I feel like every consumer wants to be treated independently of one another. We all feel like we're different in some way or sh shape or form. We don't want to feel like we're uh, we're getting treated as an aggregate equal amongst our other customers, right? We all wanted to be treated specially. And and a lot of the data pointed to, you know, okay, enhanced segmentation and finding these niches and, and speaking to this group the same way. But ultimately, you know, how, 
it, it, to survive in marketing, someone has to feel like you touch them personally, don't don't they? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think I think you know that is the dichotomy that marketeers and businesses continue to struggle with, right? Because uh, as people, on one hand, we're all unique, and we believe we're unique, and we believe because of our uniqueness, you as a brand or a company that actually gets money from me to serve my needs need to serve me the way I would like to be served. I, ironically, on the other hand, that the fundamental needs and desires that we all have are the same, right? And so I think, I think this is where, you know, the pendulum sometimes in the business world and the marketing world has swung from one end of the other, right? So the information economy where we use data, the pendulum swung where we said, okay, you know what? I, 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 tell you that I treat you like an individual, but I actually treat you like a group, yeah. right? Like right. a herd of somebody. So think about airlines, right? Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on a tier, right? So I'm a, you know, I'm global services and United. I'm the flagship concierge key on American, which means, you know, I'm at the highest levels, but I'm at the highest levels because I'm paying for it through blood, sweat and tears, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, so you would think that at the highest level, I should be treated in a slightly different way, right? Because right. you should be able to treat me very uniquely. Well, guess what? I don't, right? For all practical purposes, I still get invited to board. Okay, all the global services can now board, right? Okay, well, uh, come on, there's only one of them, right? Can you just call out and say, hey, Mr. Raj, you should board. So I do want to be uniquely treated, but I understand that the companies haven't gotten sophisticated enough to do that. But I think, I think this is the smart companies and the smart marketeers are able to figure it out. You know, we all talk about Amazon, right? And, you know, Amazon, despite all of their kind of hiccups that they have sometimes, they have finally figured out how to treat me well. Um, and, you know, if you ask me nicely, Doug, I will tell you a story about how well they treat me individually, <laughs> where I know that they haven't done the same thing for somebody else. Yeah. Though I know they have. I, I would I would love to hear the story. And I want to add to that, that, you know, uh, an interesting aspect of that is, how you're getting treated is often not the marketing department, right? Often that's the customer service department or the sales department. And so, so, you know, in modern day, you know, the marketing survival that you, that you put so eloquently, we need to extend our marketing to the way that we actually treat our customers, right? Absolutely. You know what my belief is that if you really want a successful marketeer in today's world, you should bring that person in from the customer service department. Oh, okay, it. I mean fundamentally. The second thing you want to do with any any mar anybody in the marketing organization, they absolutely need to be out there on a regular basis, serving real customers and solving real customers' problems. Because, you know, if they do that, that's when they realize that the way you win customers and the way you win the loyalty of the customers is not just by delivering a product and a service consistently. It's by when you can actually solve a customer's problem, right? Yep. And if you can solve the problem in a way that makes the customer go, oh my God, that was amazing. You've absolutely bonded with them for life. Yeah. And, and with modern day social media, you know, now you've turned that customer into an advocate and that, you know, and, and now they share that experience with everybody else. And, and that's, that's ultimately, uh, you know, a great return on investment on that marketing effort. Absolutely. <laughs> In what part of your book you talk about the decathlete marketer 
And and I I love that <laughs> I love that that term again uh, because I feel like one of the issues that data maybe solves for a marketer is that the reliance on lower re- human resources and a greater emphasis on tools you know, to, to try to create those experiences. We, I, I don't know that I, I talked to a single marketing department that says, oh man, we are finally staffed <laughs> to full, you know, to full capacity. <laughs> and so technology tends to be this crutch, you know, to get more done with less. Um, but you described this decathlete marketer and, and, and you know what, I won't do it justice. So just describe that and then, uh, and then we can discuss that a little bit more. Absolutely. So, you know, with the Olympics coming up in a few months, right, I think it's a perfect time. So if you think about the most perfect athlete in the Olympics is always known as the decathlete, right? And why? Because a decathlete has to basically go through 10 different events and there are events that are as diverse from, you know, from the track and field running and sprinting to, you know, pole walls and javelins and stuff like that. Now, what's happened in the world of marketing, right, is historically marketing has been basically a one or two sport uh, game, right? Either you were a great brand builder, so you became a chief marketeer or, or successful in the world of marketing because you could create great advertising campaigns and build brand awareness and desire. Or you became a terrific response marketeer, right, where you're able to deliver a better response by spending less on an ongoing basis. Well, with the world changing, what we've realized is neither one of these skill sets by themselves are going to guarantee success. And that's why we went through almost a decade and a half where the importance of marketeers kept on declining. And, you know, the... the the, mm-hmm. the musical chairs was happening, right? Where the average tenure of a marketeer had declined down to 14 months on an average, right? Well, if you think about the world today and the level of complexity that, that marketeers live in, you know, they need to understand data. They need to understand within the digital ecosystem, the role of social media. They need to understand what kind of role does technology and the application of technology plays. They still need to understand strategy. They still need to understand creativity. But then on top of that, they need to understand the whole aspect of where and how does all of these get integrated across the different channels that become available to them. Then they need to understand not only just the ability to understand what are the behavioral aspects that have to happen, but connecting those with attitudes so that they can figure out a way to reconcile the dissonance between what people say and do. So it's become a very complex, complex world. And so the the what I have seen, what I've learned is marketeers that are more successful and have the ability to actually make an impact are ones that are uh, competent add a bunch of other skills than the original one or two that they were expected to have. And, you know, and I've described some examples. So a guy called Tom O'Toole, who's the CMO at United Airlines, president of Mileage Plus Holdings, is one of them. He, I've called him one of my original decathletes because he started his career in, in IT, right? Think about this. He was a global IT guy and then moved to marketing at Hyatt because he understood how to leverage technology and start, up, you know, using technology to build better marketing and therefore better relationships with with hired customers, you know. So, you know, you have him on one hand. On the other hand, you have a guy called John Costello, who's the chief marketing guy at Duncan Brands, right? Selling something dramatically different. And these are people that actually understand a lot of these different skills and are able to 
put them together into a better. You know the analogy I use, Doug, you know, because people ask me this, right? So the answer I give you is nice, long, complicated. But the analogy I use for people now is very simple. Would you rather listen to an orchestra conducted <laughs> with 10 musicians or would you rather listen to an orchestra conducted with one or two musicians? Which uh, one is going to sound better? <laughs> it's amazing that you say that because we, we often, um, we've often used that with our customers. We've talked about that. Um, you know, if, if you could imagine the email being the drummer, you know, so the drum beat is going out and every once in a while you hit a cymbal and everything else. And, and then you add guitar, maybe guitar is your social media and you keep adding and adding and adding, but ultimately you need a conductor to kind of keep it all flowing together because every, if every musical instrument is doing their own thing, nothing's tied together where it sounds so beautiful and eloquent. You know, and, and I, I love that analogy because it's, uh, especially nowadays, I, I don't think marketers realize um, if you don't have, if you don't have the experience across channels, um, you tend to lean on the channel uh, that you like the most or that you're most competent at. And the problem is, is that you're not expanding. You're not accelerating your marketing that way. You're just going the same speed over time. And uh, one of the examples I always give people is if you're always doing organic search and you're always doing paid search, that's great. People are coming to your site and, and getting to your site. But if you're not nurturing them into a lead funnel with an email or a, a, you know, a newsletter campaign or something like that, then most of those people are dropping off and never returning. So you've got to have an email program to complement your SEO program. Exactly. You know, to, to really fulfill both. Ah, I, I, I'm so glad that you gave that analogy because it's one that we've often talked about with our customers quite a bit. Ah, that's so good. Well, what, what inspired you to take the steps to write the book, Zane? Well, so this is my kind of, you know, my second book, right, that I yep. published. Uh, you know, uh, I've collaborated on a couple of other books prior to that. You know, I was one of the collaborators at Advertising 2020 that was published by the Wharton School of Business. You know, I collaborated on a book called Relevance with, uh, you know, uh, Tim Manners uh, a number of years ago. So, you know, what I discovered is that, you know, um, I want to get to a point of sharing things that I've learned, right, by working in the world uh, that has consistently evolved since the time I got in the business. And, and you know, it's, it's tough when you see client uh, colleagues and friends, and as the world constantly shifts, you know, the amount of responsibility that they have and the amount of pressure that most people have, it continues to, you know, just get heavier and heavier right yes and and it's not like it's going to get better anytime soon and and the problem is when people live under that level of pressure when they're fighting battles in a forest it's very hard to kind of take a step out and take a look back i'm fortunate right. because of the kind of work i do because of the uh, i work with a lot of the larger companies globally and because i get to solve and see a lot of different issues i have a perspective and i like writing and so I thought I'd put those two things together and write to share what I see and hopefully evangelize a point of view that can make, you know, people who are fighting this battles day in and day out a little bit better, right? And yep. and that's been the thing. That's why the book became a number one book on Amazon. Because I think I think what people are what the feedback I'm getting, and I don't know you've read it, you may have a different point of view. Feedback I'm getting is it's an easy to read book. It's a concept that people understand. It's a concept that people are able to start practicing 
right away. And, you know, yeah. to me, nothing gives me more joy than hearing that. And if I've made a difference to at least one person, you know, in the last week, that is worth it. Are you a marketing technology company looking to increase your market share? Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for information on their public relations, search engine marketing, and content strategies, including a dedicated show on this podcast. Email info at dknewmedia.com. One of the things that I often tell people is that the, you know, the job of a marketer never finishes. There's, there's always a million things that we can optimize or do better or, you know, or, and so what I see a lot of marketers do is get buried under that. They get buried under just putting out fires every day and they don't take that step back. And this is what I believe the book does a really great job at of, of taking a step back and managing that managing your future thinking about what you're doing and being you know intentful in your purpose you know uh on on every aspect of your marketing i i just don't see a lot of marketers pausing and taking time to think about you know where we're going and so we see these you know uh companies that we walk into and and everything's been trending downward for three years and, and it's because they're just putting out fires. Every single day they're just putting out fires and they're trying to manage the losses instead of, you know, I, I really hope people do take the time. Uh, again, it's marketing for tomorrow, not yesterday. It's available on Amazon, Zane Raj uh, we're speaking to. Um, take the time, read this book, and then look through all of the efforts that you're making within your marketing department and identify which ones are impacting the future and which ones are putting out fires and if you don't have a if you don't have a uh, level playing field between the strategies um, you're in trouble in the future right absolutely you know you know one of the one of the things that I have been um, asking people that I mentor right or people that I know when they ask me how do I how do I get out because you know the fact of the matter is a marketeer's job is not easy and neither is i mean i don't right. think any job is easy in today's world right but i think when you when you're a marketeer it's even harder and it is really hard for them to kind of slow down or stop so one of the things i tell i tell them is do one thing for me every day and they go what is it and i go take at least 15 minutes if you can 30 minutes right and lock yourself up either in your office or in a quiet conference room or any other place you might have and just allow yourself that period of time to not worry about the urgent and the immediate, right? Yep. Okay, and just leave yourself and say, if there was one thing that I could have different tomorrow, you know, by now, tomorrow, what would it be? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So important. And, and yeah. you know, and, and they look at me and I go, if you read my first book, you know, it, it talks about my I, I tell a story about my daughter. Right. My daughter it's, once came to me. She's now 18. But this was when she was like, you know, 12 or 13. And, you know, she would see me on weekends when I'd be home. I'd be sitting for a little while, you know, with my eyes closed or open and I wouldn't be moving. And she'd she'd worry and she'd go, what are you doing? And I said, honey, I'm daydreaming. And she yes. goes. What is that? And I had to explain to her that when I was growing up, my best point in time was when I just dreamed about, you know, being an astronaut and being a musician and being everything I wanted to be. But, you know, as I got older, it became less of those, but it became more of, you know, what's what's my what's my 
whatever, right? What's my tomorrow? What's my next year? What's my... And, and it was fascinating when you give yourself a, and your spirit the ability to just reconnect, even for a few moments, you find that level of clarity that takes you away from being, you know, burdened to a little level of freedom and a little more focus on what might make a big impact. So it's got nothing to do with the book. It's got nothing to do with the world of marketing. It's got everything to do with how to become more productive. Absolutely. Well, and, and I tell, you know, I, I tell our clients that oftentimes the job, my job as a consultant, I look like I'm brilliant, but basically it's only because I'm focused on the one problem that they have. You know, they, they're, they're walking into work and they have personnel issues and they have office politics and they have budget issues and they have all kinds of, my job is just to fix the problem. <laughs> and so when you're able to just focus like that, you know, it really does free you up, you know, to, to do the job at hand. Um, but, but again, I, I want to, I want to stress to people, um, you know, pick up Zane's book and really spend some time with it and review, you know, both your marketing stack and all of the technologies that you have and what they're producing for you for the future. And then your process and, and uh, you know, what are the insights that your customers are telling you uh, that you're acting on, you know, uh, with, you know, in an active manner with your marketing. Uh, I think it's a really, really missing key. Infographics and white papers continue to lead search and content strategies throughout the web. DK New Media researches, designs, and promotes the best informational graphic and most well-produced white papers in the industry. Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for additional information. Email info at dknewmedia.com. Now, in the book, I talk about that in, in the attention economy, which was the 60s to the mid 80s, right? You know, it was all about, you know, the brand's own control of themselves because they were just kind of, you know, setting themselves up to new customers and new categories. And interestingly, the information economy, which is where the data and all came in, uh, you know, there was this whole huge conflict that took place where brands tried to, you know, uh, continue to keep control. And, and, and what the consumers and then the customers did was they said, no, not really. You know, I mean, I am the one who's going to define what you stand for based on what you actually deliver, not what you promise. Right. right? And, and I think in the inside economy, that's become even truer because, you know, you can say whatever you want. But at, at the end of the day, I will define you by how you treat me. And and as as the path to purchase has become you know, asynchronous, right? You know, I can I can actually find a new brand without ever having heard of it just because I want it. You know, all I do is go on Amazon and I say I want Belt. Uh, and, you know, it gives me like 340 different brands of Belts <laughs> that I could pick from. I pick a brand I've never heard of. Next thing I know, I have a relationship with the brand, you know, because it's holding up my pants. Yeah. And so the reality <laughs> on this is, you know, who actually defines what is an irrelevant discussion, right? What you actually deliver is what matters. And I think in your case, if you are delivering solutions that help marketeers become more effective, then you're a marketing expert and a marketing consultant. If you deliver you know, expertise that helps any company become effective, then you just become a general consultant. And if you help do that for a lot of different people, then you're just a consultant it doesn't really matter, right? Because at right. the end of the day, you're Doug, 
Right. And Doug right. is a guy who actually makes a difference. And if that's what you stand for, that's a powerful brand promise. Absolutely. Now let's let's take it a step back because uh, speaking of the promise and deliverables, you talked about uh, how Amazon treated you uh, totally different amongst your peers. And I'm I'm a huge Amazon fan and and use them. So I want to hear the inside scoop on what they did for you that they're not doing for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think, I think, you know, let me, let me kind of do this in a calibration form, right? So I'll give you an example of, of, of that versus, you know, we we're talking about flying. So United airlines, right. As a way to kind of just give you a, 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 a balanced view. Okay. So let me start with the United because I think that's easy for most of our, uh, most people to relate. I'm assuming most of your audience as well, but you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a top, here on United, as is my wife, uh, you know, we'd flown on a business trip recently. Uh, on the way back, you know, when we landed back in Newark and we're, we're looking for a connecting flight, our flight was delayed by six hours. And guess what? By the time we got to Chicago, you know, a couple of our bags didn't show up and the, the two bags that did show up were broken. And, you know, it was all happened in Newark because they changed the aircraft and then they had an issue, um, you know, with, with the weight of the new aircraft. And because, you know, we're, quote, you know, priority customers, our bags go in last so they can come out first. You know, they basically decided that our bags were, you know, oh. the baggage people. Well, long story short, when we landed in Chicago, when, when, I went to, uh, when I went to talk to the staff out there, we were treated really poorly but you know what was interesting was as a premium customer being treated poorly was not very pleasant but I actually was even more flabbergasted the way they were treating other customers on the same flight because all of us had flown in from international destinations and how rude they were and how poorly right so I did what I normally do sometimes when I'm really upset. I actually went and complained. I wrote emails. I, I filled out the feedback form and guess what United did for me Right, I got automated responses back, basically saying, "Okay, we'll give you ten thousand miles as our apology." Oh, right? oh no! And I'm looking at it, going, "I've got over, you know, I've, I've I have over a million miles still left <laughs> in my account that I haven't used because I don't have time to use them." And so you give, I, what does you know? So I was so upset that I've actually not flown United at all since then. Right? I mean, I've gone out of my way to fly any other airline. Now let's go back. Now this is. For a guy who actually spends over a hundred thousand dollars individually flying United Airlines, right, a year, so that's a lot of money. And it's not easy to avoid it. <laughs> it's not easy to avoid it when you live in Chicago, yes, right? Okay. Right. So, so then you go to uh, uh, Amazon, and I would submit that I'm one of the top Amazon Prime customers, right, because I buy almost everything, all my, you know, da da da. So I bought their Echo, right, which is Alexa, the original version. Then I got a new one. And when they launched the new smaller Echoes that I could put all over the house, I bought the smaller Echoes and I dropped them all over the house, right? Yep. And then I, what I found was uh, the original Echo Alexa was working perfectly well. Once I got the smaller guys and I put like five of them all over the house with the main unit downstairs, you know, uh, something was going on, it wasn't working, right? And because I've got kind of, you know, used that to kind of network some parts of my house and my, you know, my thermostats and some of my lights and stuff like that, right? Um, you know, uh, it was obviously kind of starting to do some really cuckoo things, like my lights would go on at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, no. And, you know, and my thermostat would go up or down. And I'm like, I was trying to figure out. So I tried working with the folks at Amazon, right? And they were very, very helpful. The weight was, you know, you know what happened? Literally, after my when I when I called the second time, right, just the second time, and said, "Geez, I can't fix it." They said, "Don't worry about it, Mr. Rod. We're just shipping you a whole new set." Yeah. 
So I said, okay, great. Now, what about the other set? Now, you know, I, I guess, do you want me to then ship it back when I get the new set? They go, no. Yeah. That puts you into a lot more work. We don't need you to work. You can keep those. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Now you look at it, right? I mean, this is, I mean, this is like, you know, it's about a four or $500 expense, right? right? I mean, for them, but it wasn't even like they waited for me to call them for the 10th time, right? Which right. is what I had to do. I mean, United, I called them nine times, global services, and I finally gave up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and this guy, second call I called, and I said, it's still not working, I got a problem. They go, don't worry about it. We're shipping you a whole new set with instructions. There will be a phone number, just call us if you have trouble. And you know what, when I got that, it took me 20 minutes to reset the new thing up, hasn't given me trouble ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. Now you're gonna get me to go buy that one. I have an Echo, but I haven't bought the little ones yet. <laughs> oh man, those make a difference, because you know what, I can take my music and automatically continues playing wherever I go. It's reading my books to me, so if I walk from my kitchen up, you know, into, uh, up to my study you know that book continues reading to me up there it's fascinating we'll, it's we'll, fantastic we'll see what just happened there zane you just sold amazon <laughs> so that was a good investment for them <laughs> no absolutely right but that's what brands need to do yes. in the inside economy they need to understand that a guy like zane if he does this you know what is his biggest problem and i talk about in the book it's called time starvation right don't make it hard a role for a brand always has been and always will be to make our lives easy. Yeah, I almost I almost feel like the luxury brands have figured that out long ago, right? That they knew that they didn't have anything, you know, I, I and I'll just, I'm not bragging, but, you know, I bought a Cadillac SRX and it was the first time that I ever bought a Cadillac. Every other car that I had was Ford or Chevy or, um, or an import or whatever. And it was the first time in my life that, um, you know, I would take it in and they'd say, um, you know, hey, um, if you need an office or whatever, here's an office that you can use. And, and so they set me up on their Wi-Fi. They set me up with an office. They had cookies and they had coffee. Uh, they would come in and check on me while they were working on the car. <laughs> I, was, I was blown away. You know, yep. my, the, the previous car I had, uh, the doors had a, a, a recall on them because they would lock in the winter and they would lock open. And, and every time I brought it in, they would charge me money to fix it, <laughs> you know? And I said, yep. God, what an incredible difference. And I, I, I mean, I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence, but Apple uh, to me is the same way. I have Apple devices. And every time I go to the Apple store with a problem, I'm always surprised. The last time was uh, we had a laptop that the screen was blinking on. It was out of warranty. It was everything. I took it in there and they said, oh, we've had a high failure rate on these. We'll go ahead and fix it for free. Yeah. And I, I was blown away because you, you can't do that with a Dell. You can't do that with, a, a, you know, another another laptop. And so I almost feel like these these luxury brands, because the only thing they could compete on was customer service. Right. You know, a car is a car. I don't, you know, especially nowadays. But but the the way they treat their customers is totally totally different. And I feel like smaller brands and and maybe with tinier margins need to look at that and say, you know, we can't afford not to treat our customers well anymore. And you're so right because if you look at your car analogy, right? I mean, you know, if the why did Ford succeed for a while? Because Ford gave you a value-priced car with all of the accoutrements that you originally thought you could only get from, 
you know, premium cars, right? right. You know, like the rear, the, the when you back up the, you know, the camera that does it, yada, yada. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, today's world, consumers have gotten used to what I call mass luxury, right? You know, you are used to, and, and you know, it's it's literally things like that, which which sets and resets expectations. And, and you know, and, and the, the key is, Every brand, it doesn't matter whether you're real mark a, a brand like a Cadillac as a car and the service, which is fantastic. I'm glad you're doing that. But even if you're something like the Lyric Opera, right? right. You need to recognize the fact that the ex the the customers' expectations have been reset. I'll tell you a story, just you know, similar to what you just talked about. Lyric Opera. We went to see a show this last weekend, right? My wife and I took her for Mother's Day and I was blown away. So my experience booking the ticket on their online site was fairly painful, okay? Didn't work really well, had to kind of re-log on two, three times. Finally, I had to call them just to confirm if I actually did get my tickets or not, right? Yeah. Because it was like, and then, you know, the confirmation email came 24 hours later and stuff like that. So I wasn't, I was a little worried about the whole thing. I'm like, oh my God. But, you know, one of the things we did, which I, you know, automatically when I booked the ticket, they also gave me an option of making reservations at one of their restaurants in the building. But you know what was amazing? From the time we walked in into that building, the service was unbelievable. The people were friendly. They got us in. We ran over 30 minutes late for our dinner reservation because of traffic. And we got there. They basically got us seated. But here's the fun part. As we finished, you know, they got our food on time. We ate. We had enough time to go for the start of the show. But, you know, we didn't have time to have dessert, right? And so we were talking about it. The, the lady came over and said, hey, we are, you know, why don't you do this? Order your dessert and stuff like that. At intermission, come right back on this specific table. Everything will be ready for you. <laughs> and so my wife looks at me and goes, how long? How long is the intermission? She goes, 22 minutes. She goes, is that enough time? She goes, every, and you know, literally at intermission, we walked up and it was all ready, right? The dessert was there. The coffee was there. Everything was there. And you look at it and they were, and I have become a huge fan. I'm like, oh my God, forget the show. And I'm just going for that experience, right? And so I'll, I'll just use the it. ticket office window next time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think the world's shifting and brands are smart. Brands are getting it right. And it's not just brands. It's everybody that actually tries to create a product or a service needs to understand these simple principles. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, we are, uh, speaking with Zane Raj. Uh, he has written marketing for tomorrow, not yesterday, uh, surviving and thriving in the inside economy. Pick it up on Amazon. It's a bestseller. Um, Zane, I, I always like to leave with, you know, kind of two things. The first one is, um, if you had advice for, you know, a marketer today, today out there listening, they're overwhelmed, they're understaffed, you know, their, their budgets cut, you know, um, what are three things that you would want them to take away from, you know, from reading your book? Uh, and then the, the last is, of course, we want to talk about where people can find you online and connect with you. Right. So I think I think the three things are very simple, right? Step one, begin any part of any of their thinking, innovation, any activity, any marketing activity on the branch, start by focusing on their existing core most loyal, most profitable customers, right? Because as, you, as we've said in the book, the top 19% of the customers basically deliver almost 200% of our brand's profit, right? The bottom 31% lose 
the 100% of the profit and the middle 50% is break even. So start with your absolute best customers and, and you will never go wrong. The second principle then, which is a, which is a, you know, iterative aspect of that is think of them as real people because they are real people, right? And you know, when you start looking at your uh, at at your information and the data and all of the stuff that's coming at them, and if they kind of take that all apart and say, forget all of this information, but if I start thinking about this as this information is about a person and what that person needs and desires and what their problems are that can be solved, you can absolutely get to a better answer and a more successful answer. And I think the final thing would be. Uh, you know, think prism, right? Think prism because in the absolute overwhelming uh, world that we live in, with the constantly on, you know, data deluge, cacophony of content, all of that stuff going on, the only thing they need to think about from a prism standpoint is what is the one thing that my brand does better than anybody else's to solve my core customers' problems in a distinct way. And so if you put those three things together, it's a very simple principle and it just takes away so much pressure, right? And and here's the funny part for a guy who started playing golf eight years ago, it's one of those fundamental Zen principles of golf as well, right? Just focus on that next shot and focus on your strengths. And I think that's, if you think about that in the world of business and marketing, focus on your customers, treat them as human beings and and just just, make sure you're solving that one real problem that your brand can solve better than anybody else, you will never, ever, ever go wrong. Oh, perfect words uh, from Zane Raj. Zane, where can people find you online? You know, two places. You can either find me on LinkedIn at Zane Raj, Z-A-I-N-R-A-J, or you can find me at zaneraj.com, which is my website. Fantastic. And again, uh, go to Amazon. It's marketing for tomorrow, not yesterday. Uh, surviving and thinking in the inside economy. Zane, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Doug. My pleasure. It was fun, fun kind of chatting. Subscribe online at marketingtechblog.com. Subscribe to our email, download our app, or follow us on social media.